0: Right now, we're facing a man-made disaster of global scale. We are the first generation to feel the impact of climate change and the last generation that can do something about it. If we put together science, technology, traditional knowledge, we can protect our planet. I want you to act as if the house was on fire, because it is.
1: Hello, and welcome to a new podcast, bringing you inspirational stories of people around the world who are taking action against the climate crisis. Throughout the ups and downs in the battle for environmental sustainability, there are local heroes out there who carry on doing their work and making a difference. We're here to bring their stories to you, have a relaxed discussion, and maybe bring a little bit of inspiration for you along the way. My name's Alex Whitebrook, and here with me, as always, is Khadija Stewart.
0: Hey, 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 that's me. You know i am a little out of it today but i'm present i'm excited nonetheless to learn more about the work that muhammad is doing and the textile industry in pakistan and yeah all that good stuff
1: exactly exactly yeah we're gonna don't worry i'm sure just as always we're gonna like ride that inspiration train up the mountain (laughs) i i hope so what was that That wasn't planned. That just came out of my mouth. But you're going to feel better. You're going to feel better um, as we go, I'm sure. Because Muhammad, our interviewee for this week, as you mentioned, is going to have a lot of really interesting stuff to say about the textile industry in Pakistan and about its sustainability and about what his company, Retex has planned for the textile industry in Pakistan to make it more sustainable. So it's just one of many startups that he's currently running. And essentially, they implement technological solutions to try and improve processes and promote sustainable practices, which I know sounds really vague to start off with, but we will take a deeper dive, don't worry. In general, Pakistan is a country at high climate risk. From my research, I found that it was ranked fifth in the 10 most vulnerable economies to climate change for the previous two decades. So Pakistan is another one of those countries that's particularly vulnerable to the effects of the climate crisis. Recently, they have had some good news in Pakistan, They've had the United Nations Development Programme essentially saying, well done, you have achieved SDG 13, 10 years ahead of schedule. (laughs) Khadija (laughs) just patted herself on the back. (laughs) (laughs) And SDG 13 is the SDG for climate action. So it basically calls for urgent and drastic actions to be taken by governments on climate change. And especially under the new Prime Minister, Imran Khan, who is obviously a really big name in Pakistan, he has brought about this whole new Clean Green Pakistan initiative. There's a bunch of different initiatives coming off the back of it. They have the 10 billion tree tsunami program, the Clean Green Pakistan Index, which actually collects data on individual counties and villages to kind of provide um Almost like a ground for competition between which counties or which localities are doing the best at making their local economies more sustainable. And you also have the new protected areas initiatives with the 15 new national parks and the ecosystem restoration fund, which is a new, um, a new foundation that essentially gathers private and public funds to restore Pakistan's ecosystems. Yeah, essentially, Pakistan's been doing a lot of great stuff. But um, why don't we talk a little bit more about the textile industry, Khadija? Okay, so Mm -hmm. I
0: mean, all of us love a good outfit. And we've heard so much about fast fashion and the problems associated with fast fashion. And if you don't know what fast fashion is, it's like the quick turnover of designs. Like things just move ridiculously fast from design to store. And then the consumer don't even use the item long enough. It ends up in the trash, Mm -hmm. right? So fast fashion. And it says that according to like global estimates and stuff, the textile industry generates approximately 25 million tons of waste annually and just from like washing clothes this releases 500 tons of microfibers into the sea annually and they say that this is equivalent to 50 billion plastic bottles i saw that i
1: i actually uh, i did not know that fact before me either i was mind blown i know that's insane
0: (laughs) right and (laughs) yeah and the fashion industry in pakistan is definitely contributing to the country's water crisis the fashion industry is the second largest consumer of water mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and mostly from yeah. the,
1: the growing and dying processes oh. yeah
0: yeah and the industry use more water than is actually required and then of course after this the water then becomes polluted with all the different chemicals And it's left untreated and then it's just discharged into local water bodies. So apart from having problems replenishing their water supply, the water that they have is just heavily polluted. I mean, Pakistan is now a dumping ground also for like international brands where they just send all their outdated stuff or um, unsold stuff. So apart from the local textile industry flooding the market, they also have international items coming in. And all the majority of this is ending up in their landfills. So, I mean, hmm. they just have a, a serious, I don't know, like a web of mess going on. Yeah. <laughs> the textile industry. I mean, the sector contributes to 8.5% of their GDP and is the second largest employment sector in Pakistan. So, is definitely a field that is important to them, but clearly there's a lot of environmental issues going on with the industry. I mean, we just kinda touch on pollution and stuff, but fast fashion is also a severe health and social problem. I mean, there's cases of horrible wood conditions, you know. And then it becomes a whole issue of ethics and it's just I don't know, it's just bad. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was going to say that. I we going to finish your sentence. It is just bad. There's no other way around it. But luckily, uh, Muhammad's company, Retex, is kind of aiming to capitalize on this awakening of, of consumers. You know, a lot of people around the world are, are coming to terms with the fact that fast fashion isn't sustainable. And trying to look mm-hmm. for alternatives. So right now, um, according to Retex, the sustainable fabrics market globally is estimated to be worth about 58.3 billion US dollars. And it's only projected to grow in the future. So Muhammad's wanting to try and connect the already enormous textiles industry in Pakistan to the globally growing sustainable fabrics market. So we'll be talking to him today about how how exactly his company does that, what inspired him to get involved in this sector, and um, maybe a little bit about his other startups as well. We'll see. Should we jump into a conversation with Muhammad? Yes, why not? Let's do it. All right, let's go. Muhammad, welcome to People Taking Action. It's a real pleasure to to have you on our show. Glad to be here. Um, I mean, we Khadija and I have already spoken a little bit about the, the work of, of your company and the situation of the textile industry in Pakistan, how dependent the country is. It was really interesting stuff, wasn't it, Khadija? Yeah,
0: it was. It was. Like, I'm really ready to learn more from you about this. I'm so glad that you responded but like eagerly when I asked you to be on this podcast, because I just want to learn more about the industry. Because I have a problem with fashion and shopping and clothes, and I need to do better. <laughs> so maybe you would inspire me to do better. <laughs>
2: The primary question that we're also tackling here is an ethical question. Uh, Mm. So most of our exports are, so most of the textile manufacturing is done in India, Bangladesh, and Pakistan. And these items are then manufactured and sold into developed countries. But the backdrop of production is largely dealt by these countries that are already suffering to make ends meet. So the ethical question here is that when you're producing high-end items, so the production process, is harming more uh, the underdeveloped communities rather than the developed communities where the product is finally forced so that's an ethical question also that can production of hazardous things be outsourced to developing countries
1: yeah it's a constant issue it reminds me of one yeah. of our other episodes um with ocean merchant from thailand and the outsourcing of um, consumer waste being sent to to other developing countries um yeah massive Massive ethical issue, you're right. So it'd be really interesting to pick these things apart. I just wanted to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit more about yourself, your company, a backdrop of you.
2: The reason that I founded uh, ZTEX was that uh, I saw that the textile sector in Pakistan is huge and it's causing a lot of pollution. And I also saw an opportunity abroad also. So yeah. I met Fatija uh, in Oslo uh, last yeah. year and our, uh, at the ROC Youth Leadership Summit. So one of uh-huh. the things that I noticed was that in Pakistan, uh, the sustainability demand is not that great. But abroad, the sustainability demand is greater and the awareness is greater and people are moving towards more sustainable products. So one, that was why I wanted to connect these two supply chains to what was largely happening was that the uh, textile brands that were manufacturing here, they were mostly manufacturing for unsustainable labels and products. So my idea was why don't I utilize the textile capacity of Pakistan to start producing textile products that are sustainable and then linking them to international demand. So that was the entire concept of uh re-tech, to in- connect the international demand for sustainable textile products with the local supply chains so that there could be a global change towards sub- uh, sustainable textile products. And we have a very stringent registration process for our vendors, so we make sure that all of the vendors that are registered with us are producing sustainably. We're currently working on how we can break down sustainability in the Pakistani context. And we have three broad categories that we're working on. The first is recycled clothes. The second is sustainability certificates that are present in the textile value chain. The third is sustainable, uh, sustainable fabrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is a short overview of what we're trying to do. And thing is that uh, the future is green.
1: Absolutely. I saw in the news about the Pakistan government in talks with the EU about green economic recovery from the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. So I think it's definitely even more now with the kind of economic, massive economic slowdown that we're seeing globally. There's even more opportunity for this kind of green growth and the textile industry is one So it's definitely very poised for, for this kind of growth.
2: Uh, The textile industry uh, in Pakistan is largely run by a big group. A major challenge that we face while pitching to them is trying to make them understand the concept of sustainability. And the thing is that it has to make business sense to them also, not just because they're businessmen who have been groomed in the family. So most of our textile industries are family businesses. And these people have been running the business for a very long time. And the only thing that makes sense to them is business sense. So you need to actually make them understand the sustainability, makes mm-hmm. business sense, while it's good for the environment. You can't mm-hmm. just pitch them that it's good, it's green, the world needs that, the world does not have a future. Without that, they're not interested in that kind of narrative. Right. You also need a narrative regarding business. Mm-hmm. Because, and that is th- something that the entire textile value chain I think the entire world is struggling to make sense of. And that is one of the major challenges that we are facing right now to make people understand that uh, that the future is getting green and there is a huge demand for green products in the future.
0: Um, earlier, we kind of touched on, as you mentioned, almost the ethical issues in the textile industry. And, you know, we kind of touched a bit on, quote-unquote, modern-day slavery in the industry. And I wanted to know if, I don't know if this is something that you could talk about a little bit but just to paint a picture of the social consequences of fast fashion and the textile industry
2: in Pakistan. In the textile industry, it's very important to see how the textile industries are located here in Pakistan. So they're majorly located in uh, industrial zones and the workforce that actually comes and works at these textile industries lives very close to these industrial zones. And in these industrial zones, when these textile uh, companies are producing waste, the people that are working at these textile industries are the people that are being the most affected by that waste. And these people are living at the bottom of the pyramid. So the textile industry has daily wage workers. They don't have permanent workers. So when these daily wage workers are, they do not they do not have uh, resources to actually invest in clean drinking water initiatives. So when their water streams gets polluted or their drinking water gets polluted, that actually causes a lot of health concerns and that leads to deterioration in the overall community. And when these health conditions deteriorate, then these people, their ability to work is also affected because they start getting sick and missing a day of work due to health concerns is a very big issue. I will give you a recent example to tell you about the scale of the daily wage workers in, that are working in the textile industry. Mm-hmm. So when the COVID crisis started and there was an initial lockdown in Pakistan for around two weeks, most of the workers in the textile industries were left off because they were on a, a daily wage basis. So getting rid of them were, was way easier as compared mm-hmm. to other people that were on a contractor position. So that is something that I think, uh, affects them most and these textile products are then exported at a premium and the textile brands globally earn a lot, but these people, they're living at the
1: bottom. Right. And how does shifting to more sustainable supply chains and to more sustainable production methods change that? Obviously, I I guess you can pitch the business case to these big textile companies about improving the local environment of their workers. But in terms of wages, does it also provide opportunity for better wages? So the textile sector in Pakistan is very huge Mm
2: -hmm. and the wages question needs to be answered by the government itself we are planning on having an advocacy program for that to actually challenge that, but that comes from the government. We can't actually yeah. tell them that this is something that we needed. But at the end of the day, I think this is one of the good and bad things about the free market is that everything is demand driven. So if there is a demand for green products then the producer would start making green products, if there is a demand for labor rights of good labor conditions, then the supplier would ensure that the, uh, the all of these requirements are met and one of the things that's also very important here is are, are the certifications that are now being given to these textile industries so there are a few uh, certifications that are very really good but these there are few certifications that are not that truthful as they're shown so that is something that we're also working on how can we improve the transparency in the textile industry
1: fair enough and i, I see that i see what you mean i guess because one of the things i, I talked about in the introduction was the kind of gradual awakening of consumers to these kinds of issues and if international Me. consumers yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> like Khadija <laughs> and myself really it's not like I'm some kind of fashion eco warrior um I could definitely do better as as consumers are awakening more to these kinds of issues it is going to bring that demand to to suppliers in in Pakistan so it's good that you're there providing that service and and connecting those voices to the businesses there as well.
2: And I think that's just a starting point because if you want to convert the entire sustainable the value chain into sustainability uh, or improve the sustainability in the value chain then there could be local demand as well. Mm -hmm. And so one Mm -hmm. of the things that uh, we are seeing here in Pakistan is that uh, the companies that are exporting their textile products, they're better off as in labor standards and sustainability as compared to local producers. So our target is that first, you need to connect the uh, international demand with the local supply chain. Mm. And then you also need to work on creating uh, a greener demand in Pakistan also. And that is, I think, one of the issues here in Pakistan also, in any developing country, is that people, when they are struggling to make ends meet, they don't actually care about sustainability. Yeah, and that is something yes. that is a very huge issue in uh, a lot of
1: developing countries countries. for sure. And they become subject to these kinds of double standards, don't they? Where the, like you said, the international exporters within the country are being held to a different standard and, uh, it just causes further suffering of the environment and sometimes of the people locally. So that's, that is a great service that that you're providing. Would you be able to provide us with a, a kind of example of the work and the kind of facilitation of. That retex enacts with businesses mm-hmm. so
2: initially what we're trying to do is that we're trying to make a sustainability uh, a textile sourcing platform that that is a unique selling point of sustainability right so international demand with local supply chains that are already producing at a sustainable level then the second part is also having our own sustainable line of products so that we can actually uh, create the local demand for greener products. that is something that we're working on and a third a level what we're trying to do is that we want to have our own consultancy services that actually help uh, textile value chains uh, to revamp uh, their entire value chains to make them more sustainable. So, because that's a Fair resource base for it.
1: Right. So, it's like drumming up a conversation at least to start off with and, and creating that kind of demand in um in country. Yes. So, you actually
2: see that there's a local demand and uh, there's an international demand, work with that, work on the platform, then go towards actually converting the subs- value chain into sustainable side It's an iterative process that we're yeah, of doing. Because, because we
1: are a one-month-old company, so we are yeah. <laughs> No problem. No problem. Yeah, of course. A lot of the people that we speak to on this show are often starting out new projects and, you know, you're dealing with issues that you might have been facing or working on for a long time. You're always trying to find new ways to to tackle them. And, yeah, I, I get the retex is like your next step in trying to overcome environmental challenges in Pakistan. You also have... Something that we haven't spoken about much. Other startups that you have founded and, and and run in the past. Is that right? Yes. So uh I currently have my own social
2: enterprise known as gis Uh so one of the things so we're working on a proximity based crowdfunding and crowdsourcing platform. So it's a fintech solution that allows people that are living so one of the problems that I wanted to solve through Riyas was that uh I wanted to uh, end urban inequality in Pakistan. So one of the things that I saw from a very young age was that the privileged and the underprivileged were very uh, were living very close together in Pakistan. Yeah, you will see big bungalows on one side of the road and you will see slums on the other. Mm-hmm. Yet there was little to no communication happening between these two sections of the society. And that was when I thought of VI that I need to have a fintech solution that actually connects the have with the have not through a digital mm-hmm. solution. So when they're sitting in the, at their homes, they can see areas that need funding from their home and crowdfunding, and crowd source projects. Uh, so as a project, we're currently uh, running a community center in Lahore mm-hmm. and we're providing free education to over 30 children and vocation training to 20 women through that community center. And it's uh, situated in a semi urban area. So, Uh, the people that are living in the developed side of the urban sphere actually crowdfunding and crowdsource different projects of community development through that community centre that we're running.
1: And I guess that has the potential to have a massive impact on your work in the textile industry as well. When we're talking about people's wages and, and, you know, the inequality. Inequality, yeah, of opportunity. Um, That sounds like more more fantastic work that will have trickle-down effect to the textile industry as well. So I think uh, one of the things that uh,
2: uh, is currently happening in Pakistan also is that there has been a lot of emphasis on skill development and mm-hmm. skill development, especially uh, of in the textile sector. So vocational training and my target and VTEX's target essentially is that I believe that uh, the green revolution would be not be led by big industries. They'll be led by small and medium enterprises and startups that are ready to think differently, and that was our goal also through RETEX that we want to, in the long term, we want to empower small and medium enterprises to make their sustainable uh, to value chain sustainable and connect them with the international value chain, so that these people can actually produce at an international level, can produce sustainably and actually earn some earn a better wage, so that they can empower themselves. So that was the essential that is the essential target of RETEX. That we're working towards uh, but as i said uh, as a starting point we need to start somewhere
0: yeah how has it been for you like building all these different companies that you have going on because i mean it's it's definitely not easy it's definitely not an easy road and yeah so how has
2: that been for you and like what keeps you going so uh, establishing a non-profit in pakistan and registering it is very hard uh, so that was a bigger challenge for me i've been running that for the last two years and I haven't been able to register it, although it has made a huge impact, and we have received a lot of funding. So that what? was one of the. Uh, the thing was that uh, there is this new regulation in Pakistan known as FATF that was released after uh, people would register or their organization that nonprofits receive funding mm-hmm. from abroad and then do illegal activity. So the government actually cracked down on that, and it has had a negative effect on the nonprofit sector because it has become harder to now register a nonprofit. Uh, I think the main motivation that I have is that uh, I think uh, we can, wherever we are, whatever we do, we have the capacity to do something good. And that has been my motivation that uh, I think I have some privileges and I would like to use those privileges to actually make the lives of people
1: better
0: so good. That's so good. I feel like recently I've been telling people, you know, recognize your privilege and then do something with it.
1: Exactly. So So important. Yeah. Very inspiring. Is is there anything that you wanted to share with our listeners that was the thing that you're most proud of achieving throughout all of your work? So I think uh, one of
2: my uh, proudest moments is one of the things that I'm very proud of is the community center that we're running in Lahore. So I think uh, so, we also have a documentary based on that. Uh, News channel covered the entire community center available online. And one of the things that we have been able to do with the community center is that the community center essentially was a madrasa. A madrasa is a religious institution that actually provides only religious in, uh, uh, in, uh, knowledge. And what okay. we have been able to do that. Uh, and it's, there's a huge madrasa network in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. so it's an it's largely informal so what we have been able to do through the community center is that we have been able to convert a madarsa into a community center that's working on community development that's not just focused on providing religious uh, knowledge, we have introduced a curriculum, a standardized curriculum in that community center we're now introducing vocation training, we have several security drives to the community center so that Madrasa was now con- has now been converted into a community center that is now working on empowering people within the community, through providing them with livelihood by providing them with food, by providing them with education, and that was that is a hurdle that the government is currently facing. So the government is trying to actually convert the large network of madrasas that are present throughout Pakistan into mm-hmm. formal institutions and the thing about the community center is that it's a community-run institution so the teacher is from the community the com- the center in charge is from the community it's a community-run institution mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we didn't co- uh, come in and to, uh, we didn't come into the community and to, uh, told them that uh, we know what your problems are and we're going to solve them for you we asked them what are your problems and then they told us the solutions and we just empowered them to solve those solutions and that is a very good uh, developmental uh, framework also uh, that hmm. every uh, developmental
1: institutions should actually be working towards and that is listening to communities cooperative development I think is the term it's definitely definitely the way forward and I, I know you've kind of addressed this already but where do you see maybe on a more personal level where do you see retex going in future and your other companies and do you see synergies between them do you want them to be like work together more. Uh, so
2: for Retex, the uh, I think the goal is very clear. Uh, so for Riyad, we actually uh, th- thought of actually. So our idea was to empower the women that are learning vocational training and connecting them to the markets, and so that they can produce textile materials and that the, and that can be sold abroad or locally mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the problem with that is that uh, when you're working in an underdeveloped community. Uh, the quality standards or the products that are being made are not mm-hmm. at great. And that mm-hmm. is where there's a shortfall. And when you're competing at an international or a national level where uh, your product is the sole value that you're giving a customer, the customer does not actually want the social value behind the product. He wants their product to be good. Mm-hmm. Then that mm-hmm. is where we uh, fall off. And I think uh, so for the long term. Uh, so. The vision for retex is very clear. We start off with sustainable textile sourcing. We have our own brand of textile, textile products. We include uh, sustainable textile consulting so that their value chains could become greener. That sort of vision, the next five years, we will be focusing on that. For Riyadh, uh, our vision is to grow a network of community centers throughout Pakistan so that we can scale up our impact. And after five years, we can have synergies developing because in these communities, at it will take at least five to seven years to actually develop the kind of skills that we're looking for at mm-hmm. the next. So that is our vision. If you want a motivational uh, quote or a story, I can. I always mm-hmm. tell this story at every, any motivational talk that I give. So
0: mm-hmm. go ahead, drop those gems. Yeah, do it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is what we live for. <laughs> So, uh, I don't know if you're aware of Abdul Sattar Edi. He was a philanthropist, a humanitarian from Pakistan who recently passed away two years ago. So, uh, the story goes that uh, when it rains in Karachi, that's where I'm from, it rains mm-hmm. very heavily there These are the monsoon rains, and the water gathers on the streets, and nobody does anything about it for two, three days, then the government comes and cleans the water. And, uh, Ten to eleven years ago, it uh, Karachi experienced the most rain all it has ever experienced, and the water, uh, the streets were filled with water, and and -hmm. there was a street in Karachi uh, near North Nazanabad, that's a locality where the water had gathered a lot to an extent that the water had started producing smell, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and people would just look at the water, uh, see that it's producing smell and go their own separate ways. And then one day, one person comes up, uh, uh, puts his hand in the water and starts looking for something and he looks and he looks and he looks. And after some times he finds something, takes it out. And that thing he finds is actually a person who had been electrocuted because of the rains and he had died. And the water had actually fallen over him and he was drenched in the water. Wow. So he, he takes that person out, he performs the funeral rite for that person, buries him, finds out his family and tells them that this person has had expired. I have actually done the funeral rite for him. And he then buries it. And this person was Abdul Satari. So he was not afraid to get his hands dirty in order mm-hmm. to do something that is was needed. And I think that is something that everyone should be looking towards that we should be ready to get our hands dirty in order to make positive impact in the world. And that is why I tell people that the three kinds of people in this world, they're good, bad, and the spectators. So, and the Mm -hmm. most abundantly found are the spectators who just see good and bad things taking place. Mm -hmm. So my uh, argument in this story is that don't be a spectator, be a person that is an agent of positive change, get your hands dirty and make a positive impact. I love that. I feel like I want to give you a round
0: of applause.
2: Like.
1: That's exactly the kind of um, inspirational message that we that we really want to put forward here. You know, we're all about people taking action, uh, getting their hands dirty, and not just standing idly by while the environment around them is... Um... Crumbling. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll wrap things up here. Thank you so much for, for coming in and chatting to us, Mohammed. It's been really... It's been a pleasure... Hearing the kind of journey that you've been on, the different companies you've set up, and what really motivates you to to do more and and to keep going for this next five years and beyond for the plan that you have for your companies.
2: Yes. Pleasure being here. Pleasure having me. Uh, thank you for having me. I was pleasure connecting with you. You have been wonderful the host. <laughs> All right.
0: Well yeah, I don't know about you Alex but that was that was great. That was I love the work that he's doing and especially not just in the environmental side of things but how he's tackling social issues in Pakistan with his other NGO, you know, providing education and all these other tools that empower the community so that they can become more sustainable and like he mentioned before with like the disconnect between you know um, us wanting a green economy and businesses understanding what it takes to actually drive a green economy I think that that was a very key point and something that we really need to tackle a conversation that needs to be had because he mentioned that people having like small scale projects and stuff but Yes, it's having an impact, but it's not breaking down sustainability at every level of the production chain or supply chain or whatever it is. And that's that disconnect that he was talking about. So I think that that was great that he mentioned it.
1: Yeah, that, that line of thinking is very common among um, environmentalists and, and people working in sustainable development these days that that obviously you need to talk about uh sustainability in terms of how it will benefit you financially as a business otherwise no one's ever going to do it so it was great to hear that from him and and hear that that was at the at the core of the work that he does i think it's going to be something really important for the textile and and fashion especially fast fashion industries going forward to to make that kind of business case of sustainability it's gonna be those small companies that are filling in the gaps yeah. and making sure that there are sustainable solutions on a local level what about that uh, what about that story yeah what about that story he told at the end? it
0: was wild like I was wondering where this I was like where's this going where's this going all I'm hearing is water on the streets like where's this story going i know I was so shocked to hear that there was a human that was dead on any day for days terrible and everybody just passed by yeah 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 so that story was just wild to me.
1: It reminds me of the <laughs> um, there's obviously a, a famous um, psychological term or psychological kind of way of explaining this that phenomenon called the bystander effect. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: That's on a global scale. Yeah, Muhammad's so right. The bystander effect is is what's happening now. It's been happening for decades. And people are gradually waking up to the reality of what's going on and and one by one deciding not to be bystanders anymore and Muhammad's one of those people. So we hope Muhammad's story inspired you and maybe made you think a little bit more about your consumption choices, your your shopping choices when it comes to clothes and fashion. I know it's going to help. It's it's going to have some kind of impact on you, isn't it, Khadija?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I I know I have a problem and I have been working on it, but it's not good enough and yeah I really need you guys to you know examine your choices and gosh I mean clothes last long come on mm-hmm. we don't need a new outfit every time we have to go somewhere oh or oh, you know we don't need 500 shirts to 300 jeans I don't own that yeah don't absolutely. Judge me. I don't own that but I'm just I'm just saying
1: so if you would like to support us going forward to help bring more inspiring stories like muhammad's to your ears please do consider becoming a patron of the show it's the best possible way to support us and you'll get benefits like early episode access the opportunity to join our online community of like-minded people through live chats and live streams or even just our discord server where we can chat casually with the people who enjoy the show and more importantly by becoming a patron you can actually play a part in Formulating and, and controlling the show and making sure that people's stories are, are, are being brought forward, people who deserve to be talked about. So you can check us out if you go in and click on the support us button at, pe- at peopletakingaction.org. We're also excited to announce that for this very first season of People Taking Action, we're teaming up with Bloomberg journalist Akshat Rathi to promote the work of the amazing young people in his new book, United, We Are Unstoppable. This collection of 60 essays from people saving our planet is a very inspiring read, and we will be featuring a few of them in special edition episodes. So keep an eye out for those and go grab a copy of United We Are Unstoppable by following the link in the show notes.
0: And as always, if you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, make sure and check out our podcast on Spotify itunes google Podcasts, wherever it is you get your podcasts we're there or on our website and be sure to follow our socials instagram facebook twitter at Paul to keep up to date with everything that we have going on
1: thank you again to legion x for mixing the great song we put together for our theme thanks again to everyone for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one
0: bye